Be it always the Lord in prayer. Go ahead. Lord, we pray. welcome you in this place. Lord, we ask for your mercy and your grace to continue to flow in our lives. Next Sunday, after service, we'll have our church family Thanksgiving dinner. You can see Sister Rose for what to bring. No, don't worry. <laughs> She's calling side dishes. Whatever those are. No, bring those. We got the we got the turkey, we got the ham. That's covered. Okay. That's up to you. I don't eat vegetables, I don't care. <laughs> I'm allergic to those things. But everybody's welcome, so enjoy. We have a tithe or an offering this morning. We'll put it in our offering box. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Yes, Lord. Oh, Lord, Heavenly Father. Lord, we welcome your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord. For you are our glorious, magnificent God. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We serve you, Lord, with all our hearts. Amen. We cry out to you. Lord, we ask you to multiply the offering. Yes. We use it for your advancement of your kingdom. Amen. Lord, we continue to honor you and to worship you. Lord, we are so ever grateful for your son who died on the cross and shed his blood for us. He covered our sins. He covered our transgressions and our iniquities, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you with a grateful heart. We say, Amen. Amen. This morning we're going to talk a little bit about faith and trust, um, continuing with our going deeper theme. I'm in Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 17 to give you the background of what's going on. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son, who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed and fell on the floor and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And how and often he has thrown him into a fire and into a water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe all things are possible to him who believes, and immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help 
my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people, he came and came running. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, death and dumb spirit, I command you. Come out of him and enter no more. And the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him and became one as dead. So many said he is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand, lifted him up, arose, and he arose. So the question becomes, why are the disciples unsuccessful? Why were they unsuccessful gifts? When they got into the house, the disciples called him over privately, speaking of Jesus. And he said to them, why could we not cast it out? So they said to them, this kind can come out only by nothing but prayer and fasting. Why could not we cast it out? And Jesus revealed the weakness and the reason for their, uh, their weakness was due to the lack of prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, 20 says, so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except for prayer and fasting. This kind, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. But it isn't the prayer and the fasting that make us more worthy to cast out demons. It is the prayer and fasting that draws us closer to the heart of God. It puts us in line with his power it gives us an expression of our total dependence on him when we receive the power. Jesus had already given the disciples the authority to cast out demons. In Mark 3, 14, it says, and then he appointed the 12 that they might be with him, that they might send out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Yet the authority given to them by Jesus was only effective when exercised by faith. But the faith must be cultivated by our spiritual discipline and devotion. It's our total dependence on God is the remedy for many spiritual problems. To be disappointed in yourself is to say you have trusted yourself. That makes sense, right? To be disappointed in yourself is to say you trusted yourself. This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. What kinds do you have a problem with? With the kinds that control your finances, with the kind that controls your relationships, with the kind that controls you in the workplace, the kind that controls your thinking, 
the kind that controls your ego. Jesus said, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You need to change. You need to get some things out of you. Pray and fast. Get closer to the heart of God and let him do it. In this particular passage, we see the central feature is the faith, it's confidence, it's trust. In the Bible, the object of faith is God and his promises. Just like Jesus said to the boy's father, do you believe? Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I was looking online, I found a couple of prayers that I thought were really good. Dear Lord, help me every single morning to find the faith amid the chaos, to give me desire and ability to see you, hear you, talk to you, give thanks to you. And as I do, I pray that I will draw nearer and nearer to you. And that my faith will multiply expeditiously as I understand in a new and deeper ways that you are everything I ever hoped for you would be and so much more. Amen. Amen. That was a good little prayer. Here's another one. Father, even the disciples that walked with Jesus need to strengthen their faith. Jesus told them if their faith was the side of a mustard seed. They could uproot trees and crumble mountains. Lord, I need more faith like the disciples. Increase my faith and make me a mover of mountains. Grow my belief in you alone so I would be strong in the Lord and ready to battle against the doubts planted by the enemy. Lord, increase my faith. Very close prayers, asking for God to give them more faith, give them more strength. Let me get closer to you. Constantly thanking God for who he is and what he has done. The closest thing the Bible comes to an offering of an exact definition of faith is in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Doubts brought to you by the enemy are always trying to get you to doubt God. And if they can accomplish that, if you're praying to God, if you're asking God for help and you don't see him coming quick enough, you don't, you don't believe that God is answering your prayer and all of a sudden you start to hear this other voice, God's not gonna do that for you. You're not worthy of that. God's not capable of doing that for you. Why would God want to do that for you? That's the enemy. Amen. You've got to be aware of these things. Yes. Paul writes in Ephesians 6.12, as Susan said this morning, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age and the spiritual hosts 
of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul also writes in Romans 6.16, do you not know that to whom you are present yourself slaves to obey? You are the one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. You are a slave to one or another, is what Paul's saying. You're either a slave to the enemy or you're a slave to God. There is no dip, there is no walking down the middle of the road. There's no la-la land here. It's either one way or the other. Seems like every time we find ourselves in a struggle, we find ourselves facing a strong, a storm. The enemy puts doubt in our heads. Anything he can do to falter our trust or our belief in God. Or sometimes, you know, most of the time we think we can fix it ourselves. Sometimes we think we can get through the storm by ourselves. Sometimes we think we can fix the problem. Why? Because we know better than anybody else. God created you. Each and every one of you. If anybody's going to know you, it's going to be him. Because he put everything in you. So to think that you can do it better on your own is a ridiculous thought to begin with. It's very self-centered. It's very egotistical. I mean, we always think so we can fix things. You have done all trying to rely on your own instincts. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong. And when they're wrong, it usually costs you. We do that rather than trusting God's faith, putting our trust in God, seeking his face, crying out to Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Luke 137, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. It doesn't say, oh, tomorrow you're going to have a storm and it's impossible for me to fix it, so you're on your own. God doesn't say that. He's never said that to one of you. So do you need a breakthrough? Do you need an answer to your problem? Do you need the stormy seas to calm? Remember, Jesus can do that. He was on the lake, the sea, the waves were turning, the disciples were freaking out. They thought they were going to die any minute. Jesus laid there asleep. He just gets up and says, Be calm. Be calm. Sometimes we need to be calm. 
Because when we'll come and we're seeking God, the answer is coming. Amen. We're beginning to understand that. So no matter what the problem is, no matter what we, we're facing, that kind is only going to come out with prayer and fasting. In Matthew 21, it says, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. Amen. If Very important two-letter word. If you have faith. Amen. So does that mean if your prayer is unanswered, you don't have faith? There is the other side of that. Matthew's telling you, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. But if you don't receive it, does that mean you, you don't have faith? Or is your faith just not enough? Maybe not is it a time when you should go to God in prayer and fasting yes. and seek his face for the answer? Yes. In Hebrews 11, 6, it says, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Better have faith. You're not pleasing God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Amen. How does he reward them? He answers their prayer. That's right. He answers their prayer. Yes. The prophet Ezra, who was around as the people that were in exile from Babylon are heading back to Jerusalem, Nehemiah was gonna be building a wall, back putting the wall around Jerusalem back up. I think Isaiah lived in the same time period. But Ezra writes in Ezra chapter eight, verse 21, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Isaiah that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Which way is the way to go? How do we do this? He called the fast of the group in prayer. Let's sit down. Let's take a few days. Let's pray. Let's fast. Let's figure this out before we go. Ezra understood the spiritual power of fasting as a demonstration of our single-minded devotion to God and his cause. Therefore, he called a fast and saw that he answered our prayer. Fasting and prayer will get you what you need. It's going to get you closer to God. Maybe you don't need what you're asking for. Maybe there's something else you need you don't see it. But God will get it there. As with any spiritual discipline or duty, it's impossible to fast without the right heart. 
and to trust it is an enemy ritual apart from the true spiritual ritual. Real fasting. Fasting is partnered with real repentance. It isn't only about image, as God has great power. So the next question becomes, what is fasting? Fasting is letting go of the visible to get in touch with the invisible. You're getting rid of something that's visible. It may be food, it may be sleep, although I don't recommend you fast sleep. It would be last on my list, but yeah, I've been fasting for three days and it's left. What it is, is anything that brings you enjoyment in this life, we need to deny. Yeah. Deny whatever gives you joy. Fasting is self-inflicted and is expected from time to time for a Christian. Jesus encouraged his followers in an intentional approach to fasting as a spiritual tool, not a biblical law. It's not written anywhere you must fast. It's a spiritual tool get you closer to God. When a Pharisee questioned Jesus why his disciples weren't fasting like the Pharisees, he offered his own guidance on the role of fasting. Comparing his disciples to guests at a wedding, Jesus said, the wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. This guidance can still apply to us today. When we feel far from God, fasting Amen. can help us mourn the distance from God and draw near once again. The whole thing is getting there. Now fasting, if you're doing it, is only to be seen by God. You don't need to walk around with a sign on your just saying, I'm fasting today. You don't need to text your own group. You don't need to post it on Facebook. You know, you don't need to do all these things. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 6. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men as being fast, but to your Father in a secret place. Your Father sees the secret, and he will reward you openly. Such a difference. You know, the, the Pharisees going out and, you know, oh, yeah, I'm fasting and uh, praying, and they like to stand on the street corner and pray out loud so everybody hears them. And Jesus says, no, just do it quietly in your, own, in your own little space, in your own place. God will take care of you. 
Look at some examples from the scripture. In Joel 1.14, consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord our God and cry out to him. It's calling for all the people. Now, just a little ways down in the, in the thing that Joel wrote, the letter that Joel wrote, he then talks about your sons will see visions, your daughters, everything that will prophesy. All this stuff is going to happen because the Holy Spirit's going to break out. Maybe he saw that in his past. When we find that we are called to poor fast, declare your dedications to show God you mean business. It's a way of turning to the Lord. Joel 2.12. Now, therefore, he says to the Lord, turn with me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and with mourning. So it's getting, Joel is still having this kind of relationship with God. He's still having this fasting communication with God. We're no different than they are. We can still have that same kind of thing. If you're not having the relationship with God that you believe you need, try fasting for a while. Try talking to God and get God to open up and give you what you need. When you see something needs to change, we fast to promote reformation. If you're tired of oppressing the circumstances, it's time to fast and pray. I mean, you all know people that feel oppressed. You all know people that feel they have heavy weights on themselves. Like they're carrying the world on their shoulders. Talk to them about praying, about fasting, about spending some time with God. He says, cast your burdens on me. Cast your cares on me. Jesus is willing to take all that, surrender it in prayer and fasting. Now the book of Esther You have the king, you have Haman, you have Esther, and Mordecai. Now Haman wants to kill Mordecai. He wants to extinguish all the Jews. He's building a 50-foot gallow to hang Mordecai on, who he believes is the leader of the Jews, but happens to be Esther's uncle. She is the queen. So she said to them in Esther 4.16, go and gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days or days. My maids and I will fast likewise. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. She wasn't allowed to go into the king's chamber, into the room where the throne is, none of that, unless she's called. And anyone that goes in that's not called, 
the law says put to death unless the king holds out the golden scepter, which he did for Esther. And Esther invited him to a banquet, him and Haman. And eventually they came to a banquet three nights in a row with Esther. She told the story she told the king what Haman was planning to do. Because Mordecai had saved the king. Mordecai had done something that really helped the king. And the king wanted to give Mordecai a parade. And they did give Mordecai a parade. And they made Haman oversee the whole parade. So they really rubbed it in his face. And then, of course, the next thing they did is hang Haman. But, you know, it, it was all about the battle. But it was the fasting that made the preparation. It was the prayer that got them into the situation they needed to be. David also tried to release God's mercy for his baby by fasting, even though it was not to be. And David knew the principle of fasting. It says in 2 Samuel 12, that David therefore pleaded with God for his child. David fasted and went in and lay in the ground all day and all night. But it didn't do David any good. Because the baby was what God took when he killed the Hittite. And he slept with Bathsheba. So there's consequences for sin. And even prayer and fasting may not get you out of those consequences. <clears throat> but in the New Testament, it teaches us repentance. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. With prayer and fasting. In Acts 3, 13, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. This is when they split. But the Holy Spirit called one to go one way and one to go the other. And the Holy Spirit was going with them. And he asked the people to pray and to fast to make sure they were comfortable. In the next verse, then it says, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they were sent away. You're ready to do some kind of mission in here in the church to go out and you want to go recruit people and try to bring people into the church. It should be a fast before you go. There should be fasting and praying, even if it's a day. And then go out. Communicate with God. Get close to God or it will not happen. It says in Luke 2, And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Her purpose was to draw near to God, to have communication with God, to touch the heart of God. 
Isn't that the desire of everyone in this room? Amen. To touch the heart of God. Amen. Yes. This guy, it says, will come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Some things you're not going to get Amen. without praying, without fasting, without drawing nearer and nearer to God. The lip service has to stop. Because lip service isn't going to get it done. It's going to take a commitment. It's going to take a, a desire. It's going to take a, a fire within you to get you where God wants you. So let's take a step back. If it's prayer and fasting. The Jewish custom custom was to fast during the day, but eat and drink as soon as it became dark. If you really want a deeper, deeper relationship with God, prayer and fasting is what's going to get you there. Humbling yourself. The scriptures tell you, if my people humble themselves and pray, And I will heal their lands if my people, you're them, you're his people, humbling yourself, surrendering all to God. You know, a lot of us, I've always used a, a swimming pool as kind of a prayer closet. Because in our condo complex, we got swimming pools, and they're heated, and they're nice. And I used to go early in the morning when nobody was there. You know, and I could just walk and pray and talk to God. You know, but when I submerged myself under the water, I would view that as the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God just touching every part of my body. I was totally surrendered to him. But some of us just like to put our toe in. Some of us just like to maybe go up to the knees, sit over the edge of the pool. That's as far as we're going. It's the same thing with your relationship with God. You're willing to give God this. I'll give God Sunday morning. I'll give him an hour and a half. But that's it. That's all he gets. What if God only gave you an hour and a half? Maybe it'd be just one leg with an arm. Walking around a little circle. I don't know. But you got to surrender it all to him. It takes a commitment. Takes a burning, burning desire. I got many people that tell me, oh, I love the Lord, I love Jesus. But they don't show it. They just don't show it. So you've got to go all the way. You've got to be able to do what the disciples couldn't do. 
that is get this kind help. Because Jesus said we're going to do greater things than God. So we have to get it out. That kind. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Another little scripture. Trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding. Boy, if 50% of the Christians today believe that part of Proverbs, what a massive Christian group we would be. But we're just not there. We're just not there. I think people in smaller churches get closer to God than people in big churches. Not that big churches don't have, but I think they have a small percentage. Because it just flows over. They, they try to appease everybody. You can't do that. The disciples is, uh, didn't always make everybody happy. Neither did, neither did Jesus. I mean, he told them the, the blunt truth. He took a whip to the money changers. He didn't put up with it. He's not going to put up with it. Jesus Christ is the truth. He's the only way. We have to learn to trust ourselves to him. In Isaiah 41.10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. It's about saying, I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to do all for you. Trust in him. If you want to break through today, tomorrow, or whatever, if you want to overcome that crisis that hits us all, I mean, sometimes we all just get caught up in some chaos somewhere. If you want to calm that storm that comes about every, every now and then, Fasting and prayer is the way to get it done. And do what Jesus says. This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's stand.